So we're going to continue our series on Tasty. How many are enjoying the Tasty series? How many really love the word patience? How about joy? Ah, how about long suffering? Oh, y'all got tricked, didn't you? (laughs) Tasty. We've been talking about the fruits of the spirit the whole summer. And we talked about later, um, we talked about through the whole series about God has given us the fruit of the spirit to share with the world. And we said that God, whatever God does is sweet and the fruit of the spirit is, is sweet in us. And if someone bites into your life, is it sweet or is it sour? And we talked about all the different things and we identified all those areas, love, joy, peace, patience, the ones everyone loves, that God's always tremendously teaching us. Uh, our, our character traits that God works in us and through us. And then we become examples to the world who need it. And this one we're going to talk about, I'm really excited about faithfulness, God's faithfulness. How many believe God's faithful? So we're going to talk about faith, the faithfulness of God. And then I'll, the name of the ser- this one is Always Faithful. Again, if you want to know exactly what's going on through this series, you can go on to thegracepoint.com to our media section. We have the whole sermon series online. You can pull it down there. You can pull it down. I saw it on iTunes the other day. I said, I'm on iTunes. Wow, they really have a sense of humor. So, uh, but this one we're going to call Always Faithful. And we're going to start in Matthew 25. Verse 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew 25, verse 21. If you have your smartphones, you can use those. Again, if you don't have any Bible or smartphone, we have it on the screen. I'll be using the ESV version because I love that version. And let's dive into God's word this morning. Everyone ready? You hear about faithfulness? All right, here we go. And this is the scripture I use for offering. It says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And this is Jesus talking about the end times, what it's going to be like. A lot of us don't recognize that Jesus is coming back. And it says in the Bible, we're all going to sit in the judgment seat. He's going to judge us by what we have done here. See, salvation is just the beginning. But he's all given us, he's given us all certain things that he wants us to do. In this story of the parable, he gave one guy five talents, he multiplied it to ten. He gave another guy two talents, he multiplied it to four. This guy had one, he buried it. And he had a lot of excuses. And Jesus was trying to show them that when it comes before in the judgment seat of God, guys. There's no time for excuses. We need to get it right right now. But he's given us all gifts, talents, treasure to use, to touch, to influence our earth while we are here. And he says what happens here, the more faithful you are with the little, he'll give you much more responsibility. I realized when I was in high school, I didn't want to do well in every class. Because I knew the secret to doing well at every class. More work. <laughs> they, may, they might put me in a, uh, a charter class that makes me have to do more work. And I was like, slick, I'm not going to, I'll just barely make it. I'll be a C guy, a C. I can do, no, students don't pick this up. 
seas was great with me, but not with my mother. Because she knew you can do A's. And she knew that I was not taking responsibility. Because she knew if I passed those classes, they'll put me in harder classes. Like algebra, which is from the devil. Man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Booker. Booker made it plain to me when I grew up. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Booker. I forgot. You're a great teacher. I'm just having flashbacks. Anyway, <laughs> And all those big classes I had to pass. I'm like, oh, but that's how God's kingdom is, guys. As you, whatever he gives you small, and you're faithful with that, he'll give you more. While you're here on earth, and at the end, he's going to give you even more when you're in, him, in glory with him. Great responsibility. But the one point we miss is entering into his joy, the master. Because those who are working and serving with God and walking with him in a tremendous fashion have so much joy that nothing can quench it or kill it. Because he supplies the joy. And that's what he's talking about here. Ed Cole had this great quote. He says, your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. There's a question. Can God trust you? Because a lot of us, we're waiting for increase, but you're not being trustworthy with what you already have. I love what Terry Benningfield said yesterday on men's, men's breakfast, and the guys who missed it, I'm not going to say anything to you. But I'm going to preach about you. Just kidding. He said, excuses kill us. Excuses kill us. And really, I forgot what writer said this. Excuses is just a long version of a lie. Excuses is just a long version of the lie. And Jesus, these are scriptures we don't like to read because it means responsibility. We love the relationship, guys, but not the responsibility of the relationship. God loves me. I'm great. And I will do whatever I can because I'm going to glory. But there's, a, there's something that's going to be called into account. And you can't say, well, it was my husband's fault. It was that preacher's fault, that church's fault. Because they're not going to be in the picture. It's Jesus talking to you. God's talking directly to you. I can't say, well, you know, well, you know, God, give me a break. It was their fault. Now, relationship between me and you. Now, I'll deal with them later. But it's me and you. Faithfulness is something else. Let's look at the word, what it means, faithful. Strict or thorough in the performance of duty. This is Webster. Love this one. True to one's word and promises. True to one's word and promises. I love the church because it's, it's something else. You know, on Sunday mornings, we get excited and you run down here. I'm going to be involved all day. You have a Holy Ghost moment, then wake up Monday morning. What did I say? Oh, I made a promise. I didn't mean it. And I, as a pastor, I used to get highly upset when people say one thing and do another. But then God grew me up because that's, that's an immature way of thinking. He told me this. It's like what happened with Samuel. When the people rejected theocracy, 
but they want to have a king. And God was their king. He got very upset. And God said, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. So my heart is when people aren't faithful here in this place or the workplace uh, in church or anything, it's not against indictment against the church. That's how they treat their relationship with God. See, it has not, I mean, it'd be immature to elevate myself to that portion. I just have to pray for him even more. Because is this how you treat God? Because it's like a marriage. Can't say, hey, honey, I love you. We get married on Wednesday. I'll see you once a week. Someone laughed at that. What kind of love is that? Or I'll, read, I'll, I'll, I'll study about you. I'll find out about you maybe once a month. But see, that's how we treat God. Not how we treat people. And then you wind up treating people like that. One thing my dad taught me when I was growing up. <laughs> Boy, if you say something, you better do it. That's the worst spankings I ever got. When I said something, I didn't do it. You know? And, then, and the worst words I heard. I said, Mom, Dad, just spank me. But don't say you don't trust me. And don't say I disappointed you. Now, God doesn't say that. Your conscience does. The God conscience he gives you. And you condemn yourself when you, fall, you, you make commitments and you don't, you don't follow through. And that's on the little stuff. Because you want, then you want bigger responsibility. But you got to have, you got to be small, you got to be great with the little things so you can grow into big things. Amen? How we doing? So I thought this was faithfulness. I'm getting there. Again, this parable is not about how much we have done for God. It's about how faithful we've been to that which he has wanted us to do. Can you do the one thing? Can you be faithful in that? Then I'll give you multiple things. I'm so glad I'm a guy. I cannot multitask. Thank you. My, my head might blow up. I can only do one thing at a time. You see me cook. Meat, done. Bread, done. And I keep it all warm. And then, honey, she comes home at 5 o'clock. Here's the meal. My wife, meat, bread, salad, this, all at one time. I'm like, how do you do that? And she don't burn anything. Not burn it, you know. I'm like, wow, multitask. I can't. I got to do one thing and try to do one thing well. One thing about church in Grace Point Church, I'll give you one word that we try to do well. We try to do it well. It's because I know we have guests here. Discipleship. We try to do that well. We, everything we do goes right back in discipleship. Everything. Are we good at it? No. Are we getting better at it? Yes. But we want to do that one thing. We want to disciple the nations. Starting with Abilene, Texas and spreading out. Nothing else. If you hear a tape, what is Grace Point about? Now you read our website. Discipleship. Devotion, it's about discipleship. Diversity is about discipleship. You get that? It all flows into what? Discipleship. One track mind. That's what Jesus was all about. Discipleship. Discipling the nations. Discipling the next generation. So when we get older, because I'm young, our kids can come up and be up here. I am young. You should laugh at that. I started late. I'm like, Caleb, I'm just getting my mountain. 
Everybody else like, I'm old. I, no, I'm not. I just, get my, I just got my mountain January 1st. Hallelujah. I'm just getting started. Yeah, and I can run a few miles on you, too. And the young guys will find out when we do our victory week, and I can still beat you in basketball. Who? Who said who? Who? <laughs> we have a trick you'll never understand. When you grow up, son, I'll let you know how you always keep losing. <laughs> it's called experience and maturity. You do all the jumping around, we'll just get the ball when it doesn't go in. Amen? And we ring threes on you. Let me get back to my sermon. <laughs> Three qualities of, li- of life, of a life of fa- uh, faithfulness. Three qualities. Let's look at this. The first one is always trust. Always trust. Faith- well, life of faithfulness, you always trust. You trust in God. You trust in the situation. This, this scripture out of Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If you know about the book of Daniel, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. And he was one of the guys, if you know about Israel and how after Solomon died, his son took over, split the kingdom 10 to 2, split them in half, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, God, they wouldn't follow through on what God said. So they had to enter 70 years of punishment. In the northern kingdom, they didn't get it. So in 722 B.C., they got captured and, and run out of, their country, out, of their, out of their nation. Then Daniel, about in the southern kingdom, the only thing that was left in 605 B.C. is about the time when Daniel was taken in to the Babylonian Empire. And the Babylonian Empire represents like the world. And they would bring all that, that one they had 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and then 586 B.C., that's when the temple, Jerusalem, fell. And all the people were gone. But what the Babylonians' trick was, they'll take the best and the brightest and put them in Babylon and raise them up into their standard of living. Well, you got four guys. You got Daniel, you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm still researching on Abednego. And they came, and they tried to change their names. In fact, that wasn't their original name. That was their Babylonian names. They came and they tried to change their way of eating, their way of living, the way of seeing things. And those guys, Daniel, those four guys decided to take a stand. They decided to take a stand. And then where you see Daniel chapter 1, they wanted them to eat all this food and drink all this wine. They said, we don't do that. That's against what God, our God, as a Jew, says we don't do that. So he said, test me for 10 days. We'll eat of what God tells us, and we'll be, you'll see how we look. And they trusted him in 10 days. Those guys were 10 times greater than the ones that were eating all that slop. I'm glad they didn't have this attitude. Well, since the world's doing it, why don't we just do it? So they gave greater, and they got promoted. God blessed them because of their faithfulness. Then they had an incident. This one with, the, with um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar decides to build this big, big statue, about 90 feet tall and about nine feet wide, of some god or whoever it was. And he wanted the whole nation. And it says all the nations will come together. He called them all together. When you hear the sounds and you hear the music, you bow down. 
Well, these guys took a stand because they were faithful in God. And Nebuchadnezzar, the guys told them, they, they come before Nebuchadnezzar, so oh, king, we're not going to bow down. In fact, the king was like, okay, you need to bow down right now in front of me. And guess what? You'll do it now. And they, the king messed up, man. You don't say this. And who's the guy that's going to save you? Oh, I love that question. Who's the guy that's going to save you? You shouldn't have did that. Now God made it personal. And they didn't bow down. And this is the line. Is this be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace? He will deliver us out of your hands, O king. King heard that. He went ballistic, got angry, fired the oven up seven times hotter. Bound these guys and throw them in the oven. It was so hot, the guys were throwing the guys in the oven. They got killed. And they were bound, laying in the furnace. And King, okay. Next thing you know, he says, didn't I throw three guys in there? Yeah, well, there's a fourth guy in there. And these guys are walking around in the furnace. Who you think set him free? His name is God. His name is Jesus Christ. Let me make my grand appearance when you're at your worst time. See? And they have faith. Even they, if you look at 18, he said, even if God doesn't do it the way I want him to do it, I'm still not bowing. You're talking about a faith that surpasses all these things because you, you're always obeying and trusting God for the results. They weren't trying to control the results. They just knew the results that God will always win. Now, for us to walking with God and trying to help him out, it kills you because you want to know the end. And he's saying those who obey and those who trust are the worst circumstances and leave God to the results. Not only they walked out of the flame. Says, you didn't even smell smoke. Weren't even singed. Now, how many have a smoker? No men can cook in here? Lord Jesus, we're going to have to cook in glass with the guys. And you go and you, you barbecue. You, got what, you smell like what? They didn't smell like anything. They had the fragrance of Jesus on them. That's a faith that's tested, that will surpass. And a lot of you are in that kind of fire right now. You a lot of you are feeling the fire of things going around in your life. I want to hear to tell you, I want to tell you, there's someone else in the fire with you. Stop tripping. I'm sorry, that's, that's some slang from New York. I'll say stop tripping. Um, he's right there with you. Nebuchadnezzar saw four people. He threw in three. So you think you're in the fire? You're not alone. God is with you. Because he's what? He's God. I'm going to make a switch here. Can you do that for me, brother? Go to Deuteronomy 7, 9. Thank you. This is God speaking. Now, therefore, the Lord is your God. Is who? The Lord your God is. 
The faithful God who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments a thousand generations. Here's the real the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded to. The love of God, his steadfast love, he keeps covenant. He, they knew that world. They knew that law. They knew that God was faithful. They knew what God was going to do. That's why they was able to respond with love to him and honor to him. How do you respond to the love of God? You obey. In the midst of the storm, you obey. If you don't obey, you'll never get through it. And our God loves you so much, he'll keep you going. Our response to God's love is obedience. And with God's faithfulness in our lives, we can be faithful with the two things that God entrusts us with. You know what two things that God entrusts us with? Relationships and resources. Relationships and resources. I'm a simple-minded guy. And we do this thing, if you haven't been coming for a while. I say, wax on, wax off. Love God, love people. That's the relationship. Resources, whatever he gives me, I got to be faithful with that. But my only thing is, when you ask someone in Eastern culture, how you doing? They don't tell you about their job. They tell you about their relationship with God and their relationship with people. Because nothing else matters. Really, it doesn't matter. The resources that we're fighting for and trying to keep, we can't keep it. But the relationship we have with God and with people is forever. If you're born again, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will see me in glory. And I will probably have an afro. Because God has a sense of humor. But that is forever. So what do I fight for? That which I can't lose versus that which I will lose anyway. The most important thing is the relationships we have with God and with one another. And the resources, that's a byproduct of it. You know, I'm the richest person in the world because I have more friends in the world. Because you can't kill a relationship that's bonded, bonded by God. It's a different way of thinking, which gives me a different way of looking at life. Because at the end of the day, my relationship with God and here's what. If I, on my dying bed, as much as y'all love me, y'all will say, say a prayer for Pastor Rich. I'll be in the, in the presence of God, and I'll be in the presence of her and my son. That's it. And I'm not going to say I wish I worked more. I'm not going to say I wish I learned more. What I want to say is I wish I know, and I'm going to try hard, be faithful for what God has given us. Because the reason why you don't think that God is faithful, because you don't like what he's given you. And it's hard to cheer about a faithful God. Because the God, a faithful God loves us and he knows what we need when we need it. Not what we want. And that's why those guys can stand. You want to kill me? Have a good day. It's a good damn going to heaven anyway. Really. Then I ain't got to worry about my bones cracking. I ain't got to worry about combing my head. I ain't got to worry about all this other stuff, my car breaking down. I'm riding on something up in heaven. It's a good day. On your worst day, you're going to heaven. Never thought of it that way, did you? Now I need more time on earth. To do what? 
hopefully to win other people to Jesus. That's why God is faithful. He's faithful. He says, I am God. The Lord God. The one who will always be. The one who will always be. The one who's only one. There's no other. Second thing. Always hopes. Always hopes. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is who? Is what? Faithful. This is a time in Hebrews when people want to turn back from their faith because they were going through such persecution. Things were getting rocked in their life. And they said, maybe I'll go back to the law of bondage versus stay in this freedom of Christ. And some of us, when we get to that point, you know, the first thing happens when things get hard, we want to go back to where we started. Versus press ahead to what God has for us. And we can have confident hope again because God has a trustworthy character. He's not a man that will lie or change his mind. When he sets it in his word and when he sets it in order, it shall come to pass. But you got to know what he says. If you don't read your Bible, you're not going to have faith. You're going to have a lot of fear. Whenever I feel I have fear come upon me, I read his, his Bible. I read this Bible, and my fear, my, my, my discontent turns into peace and faith. And I don't know about you. You haven't realized something. If you don't get in your Bible today, the way the world is going today, you'll walk around in fear and discontent the rest of your days here on earth. Because all you got to do, if you want to be depressed, go home and turn on the news. I heard the other day, if it rains too much in Abilene, we might have a problem with West Nile virus. If it don't rain in Abilene, my plants are going to die. That's more important than the West Nile virus that you're trying to create. That don't even exist. And we're, we're losing our minds over it. Why? Because that's fear-based, not faith-based. And fear sells, guys. Fear sells. If I look at the commercials, are you 55? Yes. Do you have this issue? (laughs) Yes, sometime. (laughs) Well, good. You take this pill, and let me tell you about what happens. You're going to go blind? You're going to have a stomach ache the rest of your life, but they'll see the real you. And then you call, I'm waiting for your call. The doctors love to give you that stuff. Do you really feel that way, Mr. Brown? Yeah, can you check my heart? No, I I, I can see the symptoms on you. Take it. And I'm taking stuff that I'm not. You're right. They might think I'm taking stuff, but I'm not. That really fighting something that don't exist. Do you know the fear you're fighting against right now doesn't exist except in you. Now, when I take my fear that really doesn't exist and I read the Bible and it turns into faith, that really exists. So you always hope. One thing about hope is long-range faith. 
Long range faith. When I used to fly in F-16s and they show us the target we're going to hit. Right. We're going to hit a truck today. Now, they forgot that, you know, you got to get there and jink and get that way. But you can't lose your vision on the truck. Now, you're getting shot at. You're flying around and you're pulling about nine to ten G's with G forces about ten times your body weight. You're pressed against the seat. And you're like, you can't breathe. You go, oh, oh. but your eyes have to continue to see the target. And I got to hit the target, fly back out. And they said, that was great. Do it again. That's hope. Sometime our today faith is being rocked, but my tomorrow faith can never be touched. And I'm going to keep my eyes on the target. Our eyes on the target here is our city. Yeah, things can happen. Our today faith can be shook, but it's not going to take away the promises of tomorrow's hope. That's why I can always hope. We can always hope because our God has given us hope. Remember I said he's not dead. He's alive. There's a book coming out on that. Pastor Rice Brooks is writing, uh, Dr. Rice Brooks is writing a book on God's not dead. It's going to be with the newsboys. You know who they're marketing the book to? Not unbelievers. To us. Because we forgot that God is alive. Make sense? Next one. Always perseveres. Everybody say, oh my. <laughs> perseveres. This is what we call patient endurance. How many need some patient endurance? There's a guy named Norville Hayes. He says, I got to have me some of that. <laughs> I got to have me some patient endurance. And by faith, he's got, I've got to have me some of that. Because you need that to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. It says, though, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, for you have need, you see that? God knows what we need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We need to learn how to have patient endurance. We don't like that because we're in a microwave society that if I pull it up on my iPhone, I can have it in a matter of minutes. But you can't pull the Bible up on your iPhone and, and ask for it and you have it by 12 o'clock. It's just not going to happen. This has got to, before you receive something, he's got to work something. See, before you can receive the promises, he's got to work it out so you can receive the promises. And everyone says, oh my. But see, faithfulness is preserving and continuing to do what we should do when it's hard. When you don't see anything. It's like the farmers this year. They're enduring. They're going forth with it. They'll see a crop. They're used to it. Second thing is, remember Joseph? How many know the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis? Three people. Okay. We're going to have a Sunday school class, four people, next week. Joseph was a young 17-year-old kid. Had a dream. That his parents would bow down to him. His brothers would bow down to him. And the dream was real. Even his dad rebuked him for um, saying the dream too well, too fast. After he got the dream, 13 years later, Joseph went on what I call a perfecting 
journey of going, first of all, the first thing was he saw the dream. So his brother said, I love you so much. You got to love family. Let's gonna sell, we're going to sell you or we're going to kill you, put you in a pit. Put me in a pit. Here's my dream. Got put in a pit. They wanted to kill him, but his other brother said, don't kill him. Okay, so we won't kill him. We'll sell him. Now, here's Joseph. God, I have this dream, but now I'm in a pit. Now I'm about to be sold to Potiphar. Now, the greatest thing about if you read the story, he was sold to distant cousins. Tell me God don't work. He's in Potiphar's house, faithful in all that he was doing. Remain faithful. Did not curse God. Did not stop going forward. And you know one thing about faithfulness? He was faithful even though it brought him more trouble. He's in Potiphar's house and responsible for everything. And then Potiphar's wife decides, he's a young man. Young man. Oh, okay. Let me try to sleep with him. And Joseph's integrity. Again, I'm glad he didn't say, well, everyone else is doing it. Decided, I'm out of here. Did the right thing. Guess what it cost him? You think he got a, um, a raise? He did. He went to prison. From the pit, Potiphar, to prison. What a dramatic track. What a progressive promotional track. How many like a track like that? Mom, Dad, I'm going to go be an accountant. But I'm going to be thrown in jail first. Got forgotten. Helped some other guys out. And he got forgotten. Next thing you know, he gets into finally the palace. When he got to the palace, it says in Genesis 41, 41, Pharaoh promoted him over all the affairs of Egypt. The one thing that was in common with Joseph was this. He kept saying, the Lord was with him. The Lord is with him. That might encourage some people. You're going feeling like you might feel like you're in the pit. You might feel like you're in prison or in poverty's house. But doesn't negate the fact like the guys were in the fire. The Lord is with you. And he stayed, what? Faithful. Even when it was difficult, he stayed faithful. When it caused difficulties, he stayed faithful. And then God promoted him. But in the process of him being proud of his dream, he was made humble to receive the full dream. To receive the prize, the recipient has to go through some things to receive the prize. God's got to be a seed bed. He's got to build a fertile land for you to receive it and not chew it up. If he would have got at 17, he would have blew it up. But he was humbled. It's a story a lot of people don't like to talk about. And don't matter what age you are. I made a joke. I'm like, Caleb, yeah. I go to meetings in the city. The guy's my age. They're looking to retire. 
I'm like, why you want to retire? I'm just getting started. Because all of us have a Joseph life. Like he told the Israelites, I didn't choose you because you're the best. I didn't choose you because you're the biggest nation. In fact, you guys were the smallest nation. I chose you because I love you. I choose you to grow you because I love you. And if I have a faithful God, I'm walking with a faithful God, I can be faithful to people. Faithful in my mission. Faithful to touch this city. Faithful in my giving. And I give it all. I don't serve God on conditions. I will serve you only on one day a week, God. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say that. It's like the, the old joke we have when me and my wife we would fly back from Okinawa, Japan to see, see people, see family. We fly thousands of miles to get to where we need to go. And we land. And we're at a house. And everyone has to go in me maybe uh, not thousands of miles, maybe two miles. Say, why don't you come see us? We're busy. And I look at the church sometimes. I'm like, is that how we're treating Jesus? God went through all, everything, gave his best, died on the cross for each and every one of us. And I'm too busy to serve God. I got to work. I can't make it. I can't talk to my neighbor. I don't even like my neighbor. Why don't you come a little closer, Jesus? I mean, he did everything he was going to do. He was faithful when he was getting tired. They said, come off the cross. He had this, uh, man, I can send a legion down and kill these folks, but I love them so much. I'm going to give the life to them. How about you? Do you love Jesus that much and people that much? Are you going to give your full life to it? Or are we going to keep playing around, playing church? Once a week. Let's go to outreach. Can't make it. I'm busy. Don't have time. Got to take care of this. You can't take care of that. God needs to take care of that. That's why nothing's taking place in your life. Because you won't let him take care of it. Can I, can I challenge you? Once a week? Once a month? I like this. I hate this. I hate. I'm glad he didn't have. I'm glad my Savior and my Lord didn't have that toward me. He was faithful. And he calls us, he says, church, finish my work. Finish my work. People need to see faithfulness out there again. Yeah, you're going to have some issues. I never promised you a smooth landing or a smooth sailing, but I did promise you a smooth and comfortable landing. Stop focusing on what is going on in your life and focus upon me. Because he didn't focus about getting hammered. He didn't focus about getting his bed plucked out. He didn't focus on getting broken, stabbed, beaten. He didn't focus on any of that. He focused on us. So what I want to do, I want to focus on our city. I want to focus on people. Man. And each and every one of you have gifts and talents that's amazing. I see it in you. The leaders see it in you. But you rather fault to what's easy. 
gifts and talents. You're so valuable. You've deemed, you got deemed. Stop the lie. I'm not valuable. I don't count. Why did Jesus come? If he didn't come, this is all a joke. If he's in real, this is just a joke. This is a fable with no power and no faith. If he didn't come. It's my passion. We're about to get going. There's people to reach. See the touch. That's why I talk about it. If you're not getting prayer, we need to pray. Not time to falter. We need to give like we never gave before. Our opportunity is the greatest. The reason why things are falling down, it's not going to be the Republicans. It's not going to be the Democrats. It's going to be the church that brings it back up. But not playing church, being the church. In our universities, on dais, in our marketplace. Get over yourself and get with God. There's so much to do, but the opportunities are endless because as a fruit of spirit, it does not take much. It does not take much. And say, here, man. Here, sir. Here, uh, something about you. I love you. Thank you. Here you go. Take some fruit. Take some water. My dad has given all living water. And it's in me. I, I, you know, I go out and I don't want to tell people I'm a pastor because then they get weird. They got to tell me a last Sunday school experience. Can we just talk? I'm a guy like you. I'm a Christian first. I got an office, but I'm a Christian first. And your soul is my business. Hello? People's souls are my business. Get beyond, oh, I got to pay my bills. Oh, I got to do, you got faithful God, don't we? He is faithful. He is God. He's the Lord thy God, who is God. Forget the bill will get paid if you go ahead and do his work. Why don't we all stand? I went long. Guys, I learned this this morning. The other Christian lingo I hear in churches, I'm not being fed. I'm growing up. I looked it up in the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hear the word of God. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. Jesus said, and I think it's in John 4, 35, my will is, my food is to do the what? The will of God. So, faith comes by hearing the word. My food comes from doing the word. See? I'm not getting fed because I'm not working. I'm doing a lot of hearing, but I'm not working, so I'm starving. Because you cannot not exercise, eat and not exercise. Believe me. You got to exercise. As old as you get, the more you got to exercise, you might as well start now because it'll hurt later. You might as well get the joints going right now because later on it's going to be hurting. It's going to be fight back. And you're going to be really praising the Lord as you're doing whatever you need to do. I want to encourage. I'm going to end this way with a mission. I could have everybody say how you feel God's faithful and he protects you and all that. But I just sense we need, guys, we need, there's a calling. 
that's getting louder in my head every day. And I love each and every one of you. But it's time for us to stop playing church. I'm not here to tell you how to get there. Or I'm here to help, help you get there. But I'm not here to tell you to do it. If I got to tell you to do it, someone's going to tell you not to do it. You got to have that inside of you. To want to be faithful. To want to show up. To want to be involved. Or you want to just treat God, hey, I'm okay, God. I'll see you at the end of the days. We read it. At the end of the days, if you have not done nothing, don't expect anything. That's we don't preach that much. This is every nation church. And we want to touch every nation. That's why we made the goal so high. Because we're a local touch Abilene church. No, we're every nation church. We want to touch every single nation while we're here. We get to do that with the universities. We get to do it with Dias Air Force Base. But there's a mission that's waiting for you to receive it. And I don't care if you would pray church, not church, got hurt in church. Get over that. I told the guys yesterday, get over the past and let's go with the present and to the future. Because Jesus didn't get caught up either. They don't like me. They treated me wrong. He got over it because the mission was so great. And you are so valuable. Jesus drove, <laughs> he flew from Okinawa all the way there to meet with you, to equip you, to challenge you to do the work of ministry. Guys, the world needs to see faithfulness. You'll see it in us. Prez can't be faithful. Congress can't be faithful. Some of your family can't be faithful. I can't. Only Jesus can. Him working through me, I can. Can we just pray? Put your hands up if you want to receive what God has for you.